This is an RNZ podcast. Last weekend here on Media Watch, we looked at how the eight-hour Vaxathon extravaganza rolled out on TV as part of the Super Saturday mobilisation. And as we heard then, sceptics weren't hard to find in the media in advance. I'm, I'm, I'm really worried that this is going to be an absolute unmitigated disaster and really lame. Yeah, well, you are going to be proven totally, totally wrong by that. <laughs> the day delivered 130,000 vaccine jabs, almost 40,000 of them first doses, silencing most of the critics. But not all. Well, the government asked for a political truce. Now it's back to reality. It was a sad but desperate stunt. Axe David Seymour says Super Saturday has made very little difference to first-dose figures and instead the government needs to give people a date that it will open the borders and ease restrictions. RNZ's morning report last Monday. And the same day, News Talk ZB's chief reporter Jason Wall said the Vaxathon lacked the presence of opposition MPs. The event organisers, he said, got former wrestler Chavo Guerrero to deliver a get-vaccinated message from the US, but not a single National or ACT MP. And Jason Wall said it is understood both parties made MPs available, but were not given the opportunity to meaningfully participate. So is that what the production company's boss understands? This week I asked Bailey Mackey of Pangor Productions about that, but first, how do you pull together eight hours of live TV in less than eight days? Yes, probably seven days. Um, <clears throat> when I think about the first conversation I had with with the team, so mate, at the time where we made, pressed go on this thing, I was actually in Tolaga Bay on the east coast, so uh, was actually on my way to a, a Ngāti Pirau East Coast rugby game, and all these calls started coming in, and so yeah, look, I um, uh, I, I think. Uh, the time frame gives you one or two things. The right to just get on and make a whole lot of decisions that otherwise might need a whole lot of approvals. But it also, you know, means your back, back is up against the wall and, and not a lot of sleep. So um, There was a, a story in the spin-off that suggested that it, it might have been, the plan might have been hatched over a beer with the Prime Minister while she was on her uh, tour encouraging uh, the vaccination drive uh, up, up in that area. Was that correct? a little bit of an urban myth, but um, uh, I, I did obviously, uh, when the Prime Minister was here, I, I was here at the same time, so we did have uh, some discussions about it, yes. It wasn't my idea to do, as that was hatched between a couple others, uh, Sunny Ngātai, uh, Tamati uh, Shepherd. Yeah, you mentioned Sonny Natai there, and look, he, he was great in his role um, in anchoring this. He's a, a broadcaster that I, I guess a lot of the national network audience that tuned into it wouldn't have been that familiar with. And there were lots of uh, young faces, particularly young Māori faces. If this had been you know, given to, say, TVNZ or TV3 Discovery or, or, or whatever, I'm thinking it's much more likely we would have seen all the familiar, the biggest names in, in TV and entertainment and so on. Was that a really conscious decision of yours that, you know, for the audience that we're trying to get to for the vaccination drive, you wanted to have a completely different profile of, of presenter and front person? Yeah, 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 that's exactly right. So the target demographic for the Vaxathon was 20 to 34. Um, it was obviously uh, Māori and Pacifica focused, but, but but still broad audience. You know, I was aware of the criticism, you know, it's going to be lame, it's going to be uh, kitsch and all those sorts of things. 
And I thought, okay, well, here's an opportunity to actually put on screen some younger, fresher faces. And, yep, they speak to the demographic that we're trying to talk to. Um, look, they wouldn't have been given that opportunity under normal circumstances. You're right, Colin. So here was an opportunity to experiment. New, fresh faces, obviously, um, a lot more Māori, a Māori worldview. Uh, the numbers set a new record. Uh, it was double the Māori numbers, uh, better, you know, the previous highest Māori vaccination rate was 10,000. I think we were 21,000 uh, from memory. Um, you know, 20 to 34, there was over 40,000. Well, one criticism that's come out afterwards is New Zealand Herald and uh, News Talk ZB reporting that opposition politicians uh, and MPs, in their words, made available for the vaccine but not given the opportunity to meaningfully participate. Is that correct that they were cut out in any way because as has been noted you know the Prime Minister and even her partner were up on stage and uh, in front and centre in parts of the broadcast? Yeah no they weren't cut out um, the reality was is in that time frame there was only so many people that we could fit into the broadcast in regards to David Seymour um, personally I was actually pretty keen to try and get him in there but it just didn't work out and one of the things I would say with that focus on um, Māori and Pacifica 20 to 34 I, I don't know that uh, a lot of the opposition people that were put up really spoke to their demographic part of me didn't really want to politicise the day but ultimately it is a national rally that amplified a lot of the activities that went on yeah, you had to go back to kind of the first principles of the broadcast and they were to get particularly uh, that demographic um, out and vaccinated. Look at the areas we went to. They were areas that were, you know, they, the high Māori Pacifica um, populations, uh, Kaitaia, uh, South Auckland, Rotorua, uh, Porirua, uh, obviously Christchurch as well, because, you know, we wanted to have a presence in the South Island, but... But when you think about those areas and you think about kind of who are the uh, influencers or who are the influential people that will be able to rally that uh, demographic to get vaccinated, then that led us to choose talent that was fresh, that was new, that spoke to that demographic. Uh, and that included interview talent. So, so yeah. Aside from doing this broadcast, you have another uh, role which is quite significant uh, in the media at the moment, which is you're part of the uh, Strong Public Media Governance Group, which will be examining the business case for a new public media entity and even uh, drafting a charter for it. Um, the Minister of Broadcasting wanted to take something to Cabinet even this month. Is work on, on that uh, completed for your group? Uh, yes, it is. We've basically delivered uh, the Better Public Media Business Case uh, that's now in the hands of the gods, I guess. <laughs> OK, so the minister's got it and where he can take it to Cabinet and then we find out the rest. That is the case. And can you tell us much about the structure of what's proposing to uh, uh, take us into the future? Look, I've I, I got to try and figure out what is on public record and what isn't on public record, sorry. So right now I've, I'm, I've just probably had the first uh, seven-hour sleep I've had uh, in, in, in two weeks. Bailey Mackey of Pango Productions, the prime mover of last weekend's televised Vaxathon. And he's also a member of the Strong Public Media Governance Group, which is overseeing the business case for a new public media entity, which, as he said there, has now been delivered to the Minister of Broadcasting and Media, Chris Farfoy, who intends to take it to Cabinet by the end of the year. And that's a story we'll certainly be returning to here on Media Watch.